Hello, and welcome to the Network Collective Community Roundtable. In today's episode, we have Denise Donahue and Mike Bashong joining us to talk about bridging the gap between IT engineering and the business. Sponsoring today's episode is Cumulus Networks. Cumulus makes networking software for the open, modern data center. They're doing some cool things in the networking software space that we'd like to tell you more about later in the show. Denise, Mike, it's great to have you back on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, today, we are we're talking about bridging the gap between IT engineering and business leaders. Uh, Denise, I think I'm going to pick on you first. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? In your opinion, what's the largest or one of the largest hurdles between IT engineering and business leaders? Well, they don't talk to each other very much. You've got the business leaders who are, you know, doing the business thing. They're making their plans. They're um, thinking about finances in the terms of their high-level strategic goals. And then the IT people are the ones who, you know, kind of are on their own doing the, the, the IT stuff that makes that happen. And so when they find out about strategic plans is typically when someone says, hey, I need you to X to make, you know, to be able to do this. So we can just quit right there. We're done. But <laughs> I, I think that's the essence of the problem. I'd like to maybe explore some of the, uh, you know, maybe some of the solutions. <laughs> well, maybe just give up right there. But I mean, no, I think that's the heart of it. I mean, it's, like, it's kind of odd though, right? I mean, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> I would think that building a, a technical infrastructure to support a business would require knowing what the business needs, right? Yeah, well, you know, and there are some good solutions. Oh, sorry. No, that's fine. I was just going to say, you know, Denise and I wrote a book where we were trying to do yeah. that. And you know what? <laughs> I don't think anybody on the business side ever read our book. Nope. No. No. So you're you're blaming me on the business side then. <laughs> you just say it's all the business side's fault. That's exactly. You, you have exactly. all the engineers in the world out there just ready to go. <laughs> They're good. <laughs> If only well, the business people would just come along. But, so <laughs> the, from the perspective of a business person, they want outcomes. That's what they want. They don't care about your bits and bytes and they don't care about your speeds and feeds. They want out, outcomes. They have a business to run. And ultimately, they also have the purse. So if you want to be effective, you, you got to learn to talk to those people. Exactly. And, and you got to learn to speak their language. Yeah, you got to learn what they're interested, what they're interested in and kind of think of it as different levels like IT people think of, yeah, the bits and bytes of what we're going to do, the box, boxes we're going to put here, but the higher level people don't care about that. So you got to learn, okay, is this a, a finance person? Here's, I'm gesturing. That's not, it doesn't it's, help. It's me. all good. Well, um, well, yeah. We can uh, see your gesturing. <laughs> no one else will see your, your gesturing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you've got to identify. Once. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to identify what, what level this person is at. I think it, if, if they're not talking to you, I'm assuming IT people are listening to this. If they're not talking to you, you've got to figure out how to talk their language and, and say, okay, is this like a middle manager? And a middle manager is interested in kind of operational stuff, like the big picture operational stuff. Or is this a high-level person who's interested in the long-term strategic plans of the business? And talk to that. I blame us for sitting there going, you know, the, oh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I put in switches and routers. No, you don't. You provide the ability for the company to communicate with its customers. Yeah, I actually think there's, I think there's fault on both sides. I think that the 
business folk don't spend time learning what value IT can bring to the company. And I think the IT people don't spend time learning how to express the value that information technology can bring to the company. And I think that runs all the way from the data, all the way from the network, all the way up to application there. I just think that's that surprising to you. No, it's not surprising to me, but it's just, you know, I I think we're, you know, I think we're in an evolution, right? So I, I think networking, you know, 15 years ago was essentially plumbing. The, the there question was competitive, is competitive advantage. Yeah. I think that we see as, as the nature of business is changing and, and data is driving, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, more and more um, competitive advantage within a business. I think that it, you know, I think your argument continues or grows in merit in the sense that, you know, I think some businesses are a bit lazy. I should say business leaders are a bit lazy in learning what technology can do for the business. But is that not our job? as you know, senior level engineers and, and managers in the business to communicate that value that we can provide to the business and sell them on the idea of, of what it is we bring to the table? Uh, we thought I it was marketing's job. I thought <laughs> you were in marketing. There's, a sign, there's a sign right behind my, it says that. It says Russ is in marketing. So uh, the, when we think about roles, um, I, I think that there's a difference between the scale of a role and the scope of a role. Um, a lot of people who build infrastructure, they think about the, all the things they have to do, the responsibilities, they've got diversity of tasks, they've got deadlines. Um, when you get and become a, I guess, a business person, I'll use air quotes for that, um, the scope of your role changes. And so you have to oversee a lot more things. And naturally, if your time is finite and you oversee more things, then you're gonna go less deep in those things. I don't think it's um, that people lack interest. I, I think it's that the, the scope of their role demands how they spend their time. If I look at my own current role in kind of an executive position at a large company, I have the time to go in and, and focus on, you know, details that allow other outcomes to, to be achieved. And so I, I do want to speak, um, as Denise was talking about, in terms of outcomes, uh, that's the language I want to use. And, and I think that's, that's natural. If, the, if it was any different, by the way, I don't think the companies would, would survive. I think what you'd see is huge overhead. You'd see overlapping roles and responsibilities. Uh, you would see people making decisions or getting involved in decisions where they had no domain exper uh, experience or expertise. Uh, I think you want those, that separation. And then at the beginning, you know, the comment was they don't talk to each other. And then I think Denise also really uh, kind of adeptly pointed out, we're not speaking the same language. I think you need some kind of like corporate pigeon that allows technical people to talk to, to non-technical people and then business wonks to talk to the, the tech heads as well. I think that corporate pigeon largely doesn't exist because people are so wrapped up in their own frame of, of reference in their own context. And, and that's, to me, that's, that's where the fundamental breakdown is. Yeah. And, and I think we make it worse uh, many times as engineers on the tech side, because we want to explain things. We don't know how to explain things in a way an average person can understand them. I was on a tech support thing today with, uh, with some application that I'm having struggles with. And they said, the reason this application is doing this is because every application has a channel. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Tech support person. I'm not that. I'm not that person. <laughs> you can actually tell me what's going on. <laughs> you know? And but you encounter this all the time in tech support. And I think we do it too. I think we do it to our management people. We don't we don't phrase things in their terms. We're like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. Just give me this new box or give me this new we want to give them hardware and we want to give them, you know, all this stuff. And in reality, 
That's just not what they're talking about. And they're just not what they're concerned about. I mean, this really comes down to speaking the language, right? And speaking towards outcomes. The idea is what can I, mm-hmm. what can I provide? What value can I provide? So, I mean, like, I know that it's the the bits and the bytes and the, and the particular devices and, you know, this particular architecture does better here, but that that's irrelevant beyond the engineer or maybe the manager of the engineers, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it's really, when, once it gets past that level, we need to start talking about, okay, well, how does that affect us delivering our product? Right. And that's, that's even, I think that's even higher than outcomes. I think outcomes is, is huge for like the operations level. Um, And it it becomes, I think it goes even higher into priorities, which kind of then flow down into outcomes because you have to have, you know, if, if your priority is a good customer experience. I had an amazing um, thing today. I was at a motor vehicle administration talking about their contact center and they wanted to improve their customer experience. I, I was, I, I'm, oh. I'm sitting here a little shocked. You just said, I know. Oh, everyone else just fell out of their chair. Immediately by motor vehicle association. And yeah. I just, those two things just usually don't <laughs> sit adjacent to each other in my head. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they're like, okay, our, you know, our priorities improve our customer experience here. And then you start looking at, okay, well then what drives that? So you, if you're able to talk to, um, okay, let's, let's look at our contact center. Let's look at this. Let's look at how you communicate. Then, then that, that points to the priority that they're of, of improving customer experience. So you, you kind of do this hierarchy of, okay, we got this priority. What outcomes do we need in order to make that priority right. happen? And then you go down into, well, Hey, you know, we can do this, you know, this X contact center here. Yeah. Well, I, think, so, I think there's a gap there though. I mean, like I think about my experience in operations, uh, you know, working for companies where I wasn't consulting, where I was actually in and part of a team that was supposed to deliver those outcomes. I never heard those things. I mean, right. I, just to be honest with you, I never heard those things. I didn't, I didn't hear that we needed to, you know, that priority number one is that we were going to improve our customer experience by reducing the amount of time it took to load the website or whatever. I don't know, you know, like that those, those weren't quantified, you know, they weren't, they weren't mm-hmm. sent down to me. I know that somebody, someone was having those conversations. But I don't think they were filtering down to my management either. Yeah. I think there's a gap here. I think that it's not just a gap between engineers talking to, to you know, the business executives. I think there's a gap coming the other way as well. I don't think they know how to ask, to be honest with you. And I think this is where, this is where ideas like value chains and worldly maps can be really, really – see, I said it, Mike. Ooh. So <laughs> so, so, so we're having conversations at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think this is where you get into things like value chains and worldly maps, where you can actually start mapping out business to technology and trying to understand that layout and trying to really, and, and, you know, and I think we need to find connectors. I think one of the problems here is that we don't understand. So we've bought network networks, built networks as appliances for what, 20 years. I mean, I was at Cisco in 96 and we were, I mean, I was working on networks with Bay routers and, uh, and uh, all sorts of other weird stuff that you've never heard of in your life. And uh, Tommy Conrad <laughs> stuff, whatever. And, you know, it's always been about appliances. It's always been about appliances and NICs and, and servers and server racks. And, oh, look at this cool server rack room. And we never think about things in terms of value chains. We never think about things in terms of software. We never think about terms and things of data. I think data is like, we need to find these connectors to business. We need to be able to go to the business and say, this is where I add value. And, right. and so, I, mean, I don't see that today. But, but how do you, if, if, I mean, to Jordan's point, if they're, they're not having the conversation with you, how do you 
bridge that gap leading going back to the point of this whole podcast if, all right, so we're if we in IT need to know what these priorities are they we need to know what va- what the value what the company values how do you find that out yeah there are ways okay. so uh, at lots of companies if you work for a company that's publicly traded there are earnings calls and they publish 10Ks and public information that tells you what their strategy is. It will tell you if acquisitions come are coming. It will tell you what they are telling the market. And, and read those things. Like, that's not just for the investors. Like, use that information. So, Mike, what were you going to say? You were going to jump in. Yeah, so um, a lot of companies treat relationships as transactional. So this is why we have process. Um, if I can't get two people to talk, what I'll do is have a standing meeting and it forces those two people to talk and exchange information. Um, I'll create databases and I'll share information. This is kind of how big companies are built. Um, the issue with transactional relationships is that you don't get any organic sharing. And so when you talk about the relationship between these people, if the, the, if the bridge between say IT or technical folks and sort of the business leaders, if that bridge is transactional in nature, it's, it's only going to be as strong as a company's process. Nothing, I don't think individuals, if they succumb to that, I think you're, you're kind of done. Um, you know, as I kind of look at people in say peer organizations where I work, um, you know, there's no replacement for, you know, going out for a walk with somebody who you're just interested to talk to. Um, there's no replacement for a lunch taking somebody to breakfast and we talk about breaking bread together. There's a reason that that's, that's important is that it's a, it gives you a shared experience that's beyond the transaction. I think, I don't think that the, these people need to be separated by, um, you know, Oracle reporting boundaries. And that means they can't talk to each other in the, in the normal course of business. You know, I think the, the people who are in the business levels should be bridging across to the, the technical folks on whom they rely. And similarly, I think there's a burden on the technical folks to bridge back to the people who are driving decisions and strategy. And if you think that there's going to be some process that's going to get you out of that, I just think you missed the whole point of the human experience. Um, I think it's, it's honestly, it's lazy. Uh, people who do that and they say, well, you know, there wasn't their job or, or, you know, the, the, there wasn't an email or there wasn't a meeting, there wasn't communication. Uh, candidly, like those are the people who aren't going to do well in their careers. You got to step outside the, the process. And, and if you were to take an entire company and then boil it down and just say, hey, we're going to create a process for every conversation that ought to happen inside the company, that company would absolutely suck to work for. I think everybody <laughs> like, survive. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's, Which that's, I, I, that's a real good point about the business people need to reach back. I think it's harder for the IT people to reach up to the business people because it's kind of like going, you know, up your chain, but for the higher people in the chain to come down. But then, and then you got to have something to say to them. So I really loved that, Yvonne, about look at the earnings statements, look at the, the, um, the company website usually has something about their priorities on it. Look at the budget. Plans. Look at the budget. <laughs> budget. Just, just like anything else. Where they're spending yeah. money is, where they, is what they care about. That's great. That was a great point, Yvonne. I sit in a VP role at a large company. And I'll tell you, the people can come to me from any organization, from anywhere in the hierarchy. I think, I, I think people are kind of afraid of it um, because they think they have to have something to say. I'll tell you what my life is like. And this is a little bit of a, an exaggeration, but not much. Um, my day starts in the morning. Usually I get on a call where somebody complains to me about something. And then what I'll do is I'll get onto another call where somebody else complains about something. 
And if I'm in the, the if I'm at um, headquarters, then what I'll do is I'll walk into a conference room where a bunch of people will complain to me about something. <laughs> and if I'm lucky, I can conference room and I go into someone else's office. So I All can, right, so everybody find something to complain about to Mike right now. Well, no, but here's the thing, right? So, so but this is important because this, this, this helps you understand, yeah. like when you talk about your quote unquote business leaders, the average business leader goes from meeting to meeting, you know, because the scope of the role is so broad, they, they get just a little bit of information from every, every contact. You know, the meeting that I will, I will always make time for this meeting. Somebody's going to come in and they're going to ask me one simple question. How are you doing today? Nobody ever asks me that. Nobody ever asks, what can I do for you? Everyone is always looking for me to, to resolve some, some question. If you want to get a, a meeting with one of these, you know, proverbial business leaders, if you went in and just said, you know what, what are you worried about today? The person, I, I tell you, you would see like the weight of the world would fall off their shoulders because nobody ever asks that. And the higher up, the less frequently they're asked. How often does somebody go to the CEO and say, you know what, you know, Mr. CEO or Mrs. CEO, um, you know, how can I help you today? It's always they're looking for resolution on, on, you know, vote this way or tip the scales that way. If you just bridge that, I, I'm telling you, people who are in the organization, they'll get so much more context. It creates visibility, which is great at promotion time, by the way, because you're, I don't think people understand how promotions happen at, at, at companies. Um, and it would give you a lot of context so that you could go back into your peers with a bit more context around why decisions are being made. This is like a, the easiest thing you could possibly do to help your career. But then how do you get introduced to these people? How do you even get into their office? Literally. So, yeah, so that's a great question. So li literally, um, and I've, I've done this with, with people when I was earlier in my career, I walk in, send an email. I don't need an introduction. If you, everyone just wants to help. Most people now, it's not true of everyone, but most people, especially in leadership positions are servant leaders. They actually want to help. And so when you go in and just say hello, and if you tell someone, so if someone comes to me and says, you know, can I take you to lunch someday? I might not be able to go that week, but I'll say, you know what? Yeah, actually let's do that. And when push comes to shove, I'll pay for that lunch if I, you know, at the, at the end of the day. So you, it's like you get credit for taking them to lunch, even though they pay. It's really like the best of both worlds. Um, or take say, you know what, can I get you a coffee in just 15 minutes? It's, it changes the way someone looks at you. And, and, uh, and there's, I mean, there's real psychology behind this as well, by the way, um, that, that gets into like the, the frequency of touch is more important than the magnitude of touch. It's called the, the drip. It's the, mm -hmm. the, the drip method. It's the idea that if, if I see someone a hundred times, even if it's only for 30 seconds at a time, that has more meaning than if I see somebody once for like an eight hour all day thing. And so if you can start to develop these very small touches with people in key positions, you'll develop a relationship. And if you do that, then those relationships tend to lead to common language. Think about relationships, even like in our personal lives, we all have our own shorthand for how we refer to things in our lives. And when that happens in a business context, all of a sudden now you have a way of talking about the technical world and the business world and bringing those together. Like, I think that's kind of the key. Now, I don't think it's all on the, the person lower in the organization, but I will tell you that the person higher in the organization has, because the scope of the role is, is broader, they have more distractions. It's more difficult for them to, to reach out and pinpoint somebody in the organization. So while I think it's a shared responsibility, I do think it's the onus is on the people lower in the organization if they care to go and, and, and make that. And I tell you, I think it'll be difference making in careers. I think it'll be difference making for the business. I think everybody kind of wins in this. I, I agree with the sentiment 100%. And, and, and I think I agree with the application mostly. I, I think the, the question I have for you, Mike, is 
you know, <laughs> when insecurity plays into this, when you're not going to your boss, but you're going to your boss's boss, you're going to someone who's up his food chain. I mean, oftentimes that can play as a, you know, all of a sudden I'm going to get worried. What, the, what the heck are you trying to do? You're trying to take my job. Are you trying to do whatever? And I know that that's just a sign of some toxicity in the culture um, or just with that person, but it, it's a reality in some places. And so like, there's a, I think there's a, some careful, careful navigating that has to happen there. Do you agree with that? Or do you, are you just like, go after it? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I generally favor the bold anyway, but, but yeah, no, I think if, especially if you've got a management chain, that's maybe a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little skittish. I think it's fine. So, you know what, I'm going to go and build some relationships elsewhere in the organization, not so much to talk about specific projects or gripes about our, our particular organization or yep. charter, but just to get more context. If I go and say that, you know what my boss is going to tell me nine out of time, nine out of 10 times. How can I help? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, like, so maybe it is just framing that with your boss, like yeah. just giving my heads up, like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I'm not gunning for anything. And not to say it that way, but just yeah. to make it clear, like, Hey, this is not about, you know, yeah. self-promotion at your expense. This is just but, about. So there's a, there, there's an important that. part of that though. So what most people do when they get into those meetings, the first thing they do, the person says, Oh, how are things, you know, how do you think things are going? And what do they do? They start complaining about stuff. So oh, no. like, you just can't do that, right? You got to go in. I mean, your first contact cannot be like, you know, the you towing your grumpy rain cloud behind you. You know, you got to come in and, and I'm not saying be Pollyanna and just say everything's great, but you can't go in there and use your one opportunity to complain because people will remember how, how they make and, you feel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beyond, beyond that. I mean, don't just, even if you're going to do that, don't complain, come in with solutions, not just problems. And another thing is that, I think we are sitting around here thinking like we're around this virtual water cooler thinking it's got to be to my manager, my director, my VP, my senior director, up, 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 up. I don't know where I found the most success in building internal networks is cross organizationally. Like I will go intentionally make friends with, I mean, when I was in engineering, at Cisco, I would go and make intentionally make friends with the guys on the sales side. And I would say, hey, call me for a customer. You know, I'll go stand in front of a customer and um, I'll be, you know, maybe I'm going to be not going to be the best about it, but you can put an SC behind me to make sure that's okay. But the customer will be happy. They have somebody from engineering sitting in front of them. Your SE will be happy that they have somebody from engineering sitting there. And I'm making friends with people who are SEs. So the next time there is a problem, it just doesn't go to tack. It comes to me and now I can pr propose solutions and be a solution in the company and be seen as somebody who offers solutions in the company. And that doesn't have to go to the VP level. That just can just be wherever in the company. Mm -hmm. Which then of, helps you kind yeah. of know better where the company's going too. If you've like, you're, you know, if we're net, if you're network, you, you learned yeah. the IT people, I mean, the server people, the applications people, the analytics, the whoever, that gets you kind of an idea of what's happening with the company and where it's going. And so then when you do get that lunch with the, the CEO, you're able to talk kind of knowledgeably. Everybody loves someone who can help break silos. I mean, silos exist because of, of deep levels of skill. And I think silos are a natural consequence uh, inside of most organizations. I don't think it's like some nefarious thing. It's just something that happens when someone has to be an expert in something. But the person who can help break that down, even if it's just a little bit, by, by being able to reach across the table and understand a bit about what the server team is going through, understand a bit about what the application team is going through, and start having that common language by having a relationship. And even if you don't have the common language, having someone who isn't going to judge you for not having the language, but being able to go and ask and say, hey, what do you mean by this? I want yeah. to understand it. Um, 
like that that person when when, <laughs> when Mike starts talking about like when it comes time for promotion is like I'm I'm 100 on that not because you should be gunning for the promotion but it's those people who get noticed it's those people who aren't afraid to kind of step out of the little carved niche that they were hired for and and you know kind of just take initiative to go figure out how to make the situation better for the people in their circle. And, um, and go beyond that and learn something about the business while you're doing it. Right? Absolutely. Bring this back to technology. the initial, right. Just not the technology. Okay. Server people, why are you installing so many servers? What's coming down the pike that you're ramping servers so fast, right? Mm-hmm. What, what does that actually mean? Like, is there a new application coming that I should know about that nobody's bothered to tell me, you know, <laughs> you, you can use these relationships to your advantage in a dramatic way over time. Once you develop them, um, and so, yeah, I think that's that's important. I mean, I, I always used to have a candy drawer on my desk when I was in tech. And it was because people would stop by and get candy and I would figure out who they were. Russ is all about the bribe. <laughs> I am. It, it works. worked, man. It never worked. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It was awesome. You know? Okay, so yeah, so bringing this back, kind of going along what you were saying. All right, so bridging the gap between IT. So we have, idea, we have several ideas. We have, from Mike, we have... Um, reach out don't be afraid to reach out and and be the person who who asks how are you doing and how can i help you um from yvonne we have learn about the business think about the, the outcomes that the, that the people are moving towards and learn about the strategic um things that you know from reading the the reports and the that kind of thing from russ we have what was it? The finance? Get the, the budget? No, no, budget? no, that's Yvonne. So, that's no, Yvonne. I said, that's I said budget. Russ and okay. Russ, no, no, Russ is, all, Russ is always going to say data. Russ is always going to go <laughs> say, what is it the business is actually selling and what can I actually figure out how the IT department fits into what it's selling? You know, I've had this conversation, you know, at Dr. Schmidt, who was the VP at a company I worked for. And, um, he and I used to kid all the time. I'd be looking on the floor for something. He'd say, what you looking for? I'd say, my brain. And he'd say, am I looking for something small or something big? <laughs> <laughs> I think it you goes know? beyond just your business, though. I think that there's yeah. also, there's some value in learning your market. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah so right. Like it's, it's expanding. I mean, so I think if you can provide value by bringing insight from outside of your company in. That's right. That's right. Um, I mean, both, both in technology and outside of technology. So right. like, but the idea being like, you know, getting an understanding of what other organizations like you are doing and, and, and providing some contrast between maybe what you're doing and what they're doing, not as like everyone else is doing the right things and we're doing all the wrong things, but by, by, be, by being cognizant of what the rest of the market is doing and be able to bring some of that insight back into your business, you can have intelligent conversations with people about options. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Smith used to say, we're a chemical company. We're not an IT company. He would always say that. Gerard would always say, we're a chemical company. We're not an, an IT company. And I would say, Gerard, that's, that's wonderful. I, I love that you're a chemical guy. That's great. And I know, I know that that's what we do around here. But I just want to ask you something. How do we know which customers to sell to? How do we know how much chemical to make and where to ship it? How do we know anything about the other side of this whole business? Oh, well, yeah, we do use a lot of information. Yeah. Where's that information handled? Oh, that would be information technology. So now, so now let's have a discussion about how data impacts the bottom line of your business, of your, of your chemical business. Okay. I mean, and every business is in that position, but they're all either dealing with processes or data. And if you can find that hitch, if you can find that lever, you can get, you can get that lever underneath that, that data or that process, 
then you can show the value of IT. So that's what I'm always going to say since you're running down the list over there. <laughs> look at da- look at how to, how to, what what do you do with the data? What happens with the data? What, yeah, how do you yeah. get the data? Especially now, analytics is so huge. Yeah. How do you yeah. use it? How do you make the process faster? How do you make processing faster? I mean, if you but can go to a like, store. No, go ahead, Yvonne. One of the things I see, though, is like data, big data. <laughs> we need data. Data lakes. Data, data machines. Data, yeah. like, the natural progression. Machine learning AI. What are you going to do? Like, <laughs> what's the outcome of all that data? Right? Like, what problems are you solving? And oh, I, right. I think, you know, and I think we even can get caught up as technology people in some of the buzzword bingo. And, you know, be, be careful that we don't. You know, that we, we're not just saying phrases because we've heard them said that you're listening and responding in context right. in a way that resonates, you know, with right. the person you're talking to, not with you. Right. With them. And that and that, to Mike's point, only happens on the other side of a reciprocal relationship where you've been each yep. talking and listening to one another. That's mm-hmm. right. And speaking the same language, kind of, yeah, as you're saying, Russ, you know, you're saying data, but then you have to relate that to how do you know what customers, so, you know, you have to speak the language when you're talking to the business side of, hey, let's figure out what customers to market to. Let's, let's figure out how much, how much of this chemical to Mm -hmm. make. Let's figure Mm -hmm. this out. And then, and I can help. Right. Go to your sales folks and say, what would make your job five times easier to sell tomorrow? to the customers you have and then say, well, you know, IT just think about through, through what their answer is and see where information technology can make a difference in that. Mm-hmm. And now you've got a friend. We'd like to take a moment to tell you about today's sponsor. Cumulus Networks makes networking software for the open modern data center. It's the only open networking software that allows you to affordably build and efficiently operate your network like the world's largest data center operators, unlocking vertical networking stacks. When this is combined with something like NetQ, an operational fabric management tool, organizations can take advantage of deeper analytics and advanced telemetry to increase visibility across the network and ultimately reduce mean time to resolution. One of the cooler things that Cumulus Networks has done recently is they just launched a brand new certification program offering free resources, on-demand modules, live training, and even a certification exam. Would you like to explore becoming a Cumulus Certified Open Networking Professional? Head to CumulusNetworks.com slash certified to check it out for yourself. Again, that's CumulusNetworks.com slash certified. So guys, what I've been hearing as we've been talking, it seems to be relating a lot to our traditional silos. And so the question that I have... (laughs) uh, (laughs) As opposed to non-traditional silos. No, focus is on networking. But with cloud and DevOps and some of these new methodologies coming out and ways to manage the business, does that change the dynamic at all? Or is it the same problem? More silos. You, you, you think there's more silos <laughs> in these models? <laughs> I mean, there's new disciplines, right? Things that we haven't seen before. I don't know that the old disciplines are disappearing just yet. I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I mean, uh, we're, we were joking as we were in the break there for a second that uh, Tom Hollingsworth literally posted a blog today that said DevOps is just another silo. So, I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not far-fetched. At least there's one person in the world who agrees with that statement, Denise, yeah. that we know of. Yeah. Um, so is, is, do you think it changes the dynamic or, or do all of these things still ring true? Well, these are all still just 
still IT things that underpin the business issues. There's still, you know, DevOps is a switch, cloud is a router. I mean, we know it's, I mean, in the, in the terms of the IT, the, the, the IT cares about these, they care, this is the how you get it done. But the business side cares about what you get done. Is it more it important? It. Hmm? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Mike. I, I think it changes it a ton. I think uh, you're taking IT concepts and you're making them sort of boardroom speak. Um, I talk about cloud. I think there's perpetrators and victims, right? The perpetrators are the people who are making the decision. And it used to be IT people made IT decisions. And now it's, you know, the CFO. It's the board of directors asking, what's your cloud strategy? What are you doing with AWS? And I think when those, when, when people become not fluent, but conversational in IT, it changes where they think they can add value. It changes the questions they ask. It changes the opinions they assert. Um, a little bit of, uh, if you're familiar with, uh, I was the, 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 the Parkinson's, um, it's the Parkinson's rule where the, the bike shedding, right? Where everybody has an opinion on the color of, of you know, the bike shed or what kind of coffee you should get. So the, the, the debates are more um, kind of vocal and heated around things where everyone has a point of view. I think when you get into cloud, whether they know cloud or not, everyone has an opinion on it. And so I think the relationships become even more important. Your ability to communicate becomes even, you know, sort of more emphasized. And those who can do well bridging the gap going forward, will will be really separating themselves from the rest of the pack because I think IT is a team sport now and it extends well beyond just the IT boundaries. Yeah, I was going to say shadow IT is a huge deal now because anybody can just go write a check and run their application wherever they want to and you can be completely unaware of all of that and then you run into data gravity and you run into things that are going on and boom, all of a sudden you're completely out of control and you don't know anything. I mean, right. half and your IT is, yeah. Yeah, it's data loss. But, but hang on, like most of us who are technology people understand why that's a problem. But there are people in the business who don't understand why that's a problem. Yeah. And still, you're My application until. works. It's running up there. I can get to it. And I also don't have to deal with Bob. That's a win, win, <laughs> win. Right? Until you start talking about things like data loss. And right and compliance and all and those compliance things and breaches, which is that more things. Well, and and, and data about. gravity, which Yvonne and I talked about before, and and you Mike have to and define I that. About, uh, it's just data likes to be with data. I mean, data just has gravity to it. I mean, you know, you you put a big bunch of data someplace, and it's going to attract more data to itself, and that's just the way it works. I mean, but then why does it cut to the, Yvonne's point? Why is that a problem? How does it? Why does it? You know, well, how, how do you yeah, help? Yeah. We all know why it is. But then for, for the business folks, how do you let them know I've, why that's a problem? I've had this conversation with, with a bunch of people. I just tell them, if you have an application that requires some data, if the application's in AWS, where does the data go? If you have a second application using the same data, where does that application go? If that application's using other data, where does that go? And if they understand the concept of it, and then you can start talking about why does that matter? Well, what happens if everything's with an AWS? You're a procurement person, as an example, you lose all negotiating leverage. Um, if you want to move a workload because there's a different capability somewhere else, I think you can bridge the gap relatively straightforward, but you got to be able to explain it in a way that's right. two or three sentences. In and, and, and there's yeah. another piece to it too, which is that the bigger bunches of data produce throw off metadata, which by the way is how the hyperscalers work. 
And now all of a sudden the metadata becomes valuable on its own. And if you put all that data in the cloud, the cloud provider is getting the metadata, not you. And at some point that can reduce your business efficiency. So you've got to be very careful about what you're putting where and why. And we just don't really think about it, right? We think about routers and switches and QSFPs and optical cables and but but the thing about this is you have to have the opportunity to have the conversation. You have to know right. that it's happening. This is the this is the big challenge with shadow IT. I think this is why I completely agree with Mike that the relationship in this yep. in, in this particular instance is the reason why it's so important. Yeah, is because they can write a check and solve their problem. And, and it's by not the way, their job it's not their job to worry about the large scale. I mean, it is, but it's not you know in their job description by default to worry about the large scale implications of something like data gravity because they're just solving their application problem. And by the way, right. Mike is in Sunnyvale a lot of times, so if you're in Sunnyvale, just run by his office and ask him how he's doing. Oh yeah, <laughs> Mike's gonna, I'll be there. Mike, we Mike this up just so he gets a bunch of offers to go to lunch. That's <laughs> the real reason why he. he, he Mike's like, I, I told you I'd pay for them all. What are you <laughs> this is costing me thousands of dollars. That's right. <laughs> yeah, maybe, so, Mike, you're going to pay time. for this? You're going to pay for lunch for the Cisco person who comes by? I, oh. you know, I, I have a lot of friends at Cisco. I, I, I judge them all equally, but but I'm happy. <laughs> I don't judge them. I feel sorry for them. <laughs> So, but I think that, you know, to get back on topic here, um, That's right. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, the real risk is that we're, as we see, you know, cloud being adopted and models kind of being removed from the traditional IT silos, or I should say responsibilities being removed from the traditional IT silos. The risk is to lose that, that ability to influence and make good decisions about the things that you really are expert in. And the only way that you're going to have that is through these relationships and, and the fact that you do have a seat at the table, which means it's something you should be working on now. Like, it's it's important that we work working on it now. So often the IT play in those conversations is, but we can't manage it, which is another way of saying, but I'm losing control. Yeah. And like, that doesn't help you, right? It doesn't. Like, you have to phrase it in terms that matter to the business. And you have to talk about either compliance or about risk or about, and and I talk about those two things a lot because I'm in a heavily regulated industry. I've been in healthcare my entire life and those things matter, right? But, or you got to talk about revenue loss or you've got to talk about, you know, something that's going to make a difference to the person that you're talking to. And the fact that you don't have control, they don't really care. Yeah. Um, You might, but, but they don't. There's another angle that's, that's, I think it's pretty, Pretty interesting. Um, so as IT becomes more relevant to people in, in the business ranks, whether it's DevOps, cloud, big data, whatever, um, the people in those in those positions desperately need to be um, conversational in these technology areas. And in many ways, they the, the education that you can give them you, just by having a conversation with them about how this stuff really works, it gives them an edge. If you're looking for how you're relevant, not to their job, but to them as a person, I mean, you, there's a lot, there's a position of, of great power when you understand how this stuff comes together. And I think, you know, thoughtfully explaining this to somebody else so that they can be more effective when they're making decisions, you know, two things will happen. One, you'll, you'll create the relationship Two, they will carry that information when they go and make decisions. And those decisions will be at least this way, more thoughtful, um, considering the, the point of view coming out of it. So I think people should use the right now, the current gap between the hype and reality, they should be using that to, 
to really educate the rest of the business. And I, I think it's a, a missed opportunity right now. And we're not saying that cloud is bad. We're just saying that you need to know what you're doing, right? Yeah, no, I love, I love cloud. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's, you're right. I, it, you need to be able to speak that and put, the, put that education in the terms that they understand. But Russ's discussion on data gravity. So take Russ's discussion on data gravity, right? There's a bunch of executives that would do well to understand the three sentence description there. Mm-hmm. And then what they're going to do is they're going to turn around and they're going to take Russ's three sentence description. They'll paraphrase it. So it's a one sentence description, but they will be freaking geniuses when they do it. And that's an opportunity for them. So that's, that's like real value. And then all of a sudden now in some hall, in some conference room where you're not there, where somebody's making a decision about, you know, expanding from cloud A to cloud B. Now someone's going to say data gravity and it's going to give them a moment of pause. And that's positive. That's it's positive when people start thinking about stuff a bit more deeply than just, Oh, I'll throw it in the cloud. It'll be fine. Yeah. I think like there's, you know, well, yeah, and I think the whole context of that conversation, especially around shadow IT, is really that we, we do have as an industry, IT folks, you know, a, a, an established, you know, few decades of acquired knowledge about how to run large systems. And that knowledge is still valuable no matter what particular system you're using. And I think that's the thing that is being lost when you have something like shadow IT. Um, and, and those are things that is important to talk about. It doesn't matter as much. I mean, you still got a DR problem, right? If you put your app in one region in AWS, you've still got a problem, you know, if there's an outage. And AWS will tell you that. Right. And those kinds of those years of accumulated knowledge are valuable. And those are the things that we need to talk about at a higher level, not the bits and bytes. And, oh, I used to plug NIC cards into physical servers and that was my job. Yeah, that's great. Great point. Yeah, I think uh, I think what I'm, you know, just my general thought is that it's not enough to be right. Right. Like it's great that we're right. It's not enough to be right. We have to be able to communicate that in a way that's meaningful to other people. As we lose control of our little fiefdom that has been, you know, technology infrastructure. And, and, and I loved it that you, <laughs> the way that Mike framed is perpetrators and victims, the people making the decisions <laughs> about where IT is happening in our, in our, in our companies are no longer people who have the experience and history and knowledge about how to do that, we have to do a better job of explaining it. And so it is, again, it's not enough to be right. We, we have to be able to communicate those things in a way that, that is able to be digested by the people who are at least starting those conversations and those thoughts. Well, guys, any other thoughts, any other directions you want to take this? Or do you think we've, uh, we've beat this one to death? Well, actually, I want to recommend a book. Not, I mean, obviously. One you, one you wrote? No, obviously the book that, that Russ and I wrote together. Oh, that, but no, that one no, too. no. That one it's too. actually a book by um, a guy, Pat Bowden, B-O-D-I-N. Um, hope I'm saying his name right. Called Get in the Boat. And it talks about how to talk to other groups within a company. But, and it's kind of, it talks like executives, here's how to talk to IT people. IT people, here's how to talk to executives gives you a framework for thinking about what you're saying as you take them to lunch. Right. And, it, and, and if, and if Russ has this, he's, his recommendation is going to go buy a bunch of copies and give them to the executives. So clearly they're the ones that are wrong at all. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I'll just recommend you get a candy jar. 
that candy jar and pipe <laughs> never works. <laughs> the only other thing that I was thinking is, is Jordan mentioned this, this uh, about being right. And I think when you work in an operational role, things work or they don't, they're up or they're down. And, and we, we start to think in ways that are very, this is right. And this is not right. And a lot of times it is way less uh, defined than that. And I Far think more nuanced and, and we get so caught up in the writing. You know, I've, I've worked with the guy that if you, if you get one digit wrong in the model number and you're explaining this big, huge problem, well, you're wrong because you said two instead of three. Right. And, and we, we can't be like that. We have to think bigger picture, like Jordan said, more nuanced and, and and not be so hung up on having to be absolutely right, but to be in the flow of what's going on in our organizations. I think um, this is where some of our biases and preconceived notions can work against us, right? Because yep. we 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 know right ways to do it. You know, we we know we know what works because we've done it for you know twenty years, thirty years, however long it is that we've been in this industry doing the things that we do. It doesn't mean it's the only way to do it, and it certainly doesn't take into consideration all the factors, because that person who's sitting at the top of the food chain is having to factor in things that that just aren't even usually in an engineer's mindset when you talk about you know workforce or how we're going to acquire this thing or you know what what's the preferred method of paying for it. That's always been one of my favorite conversations: opex versus capex, because it seems like that pendulum swings every few years. Um, but it's just one of those things that it's like you know as an engineer, like none of that stuff matters to me. Like I know it needs to be this router because this router does this thing, and it, that's the right way to do it. When the reality is, is that for the business, it may be way more nuanced than that. And so that's uh, just kind of reinforcing Yvonne's point there that there's often more to it than, than, uh, than, than what we like to think about. All right, guys, I think that's a good place to end it. Um, Mike and Denise, I want to give you guys a chance to, uh, to share where people might find you online. Denise has been doing lots of moving lately with jobs and other fun things like that. So Denise, where can people find you online these days? Um, on Twitter at, at Lady Networkers and Networkers spelled N-E-T-W-K-R is okay. probably the best place. Awesome. Mike, how about you? Where can people find you? I am M. Bouchong on Twitter. Controversial tweets all the time, but they're they're fantastic. Constructive <laughs> tweets all the time. <laughs> oh yeah, controversial is not the right word. I will say it's controversial because usually I'm excited about what he has to say and I'm like, yeah, people should read this. And then I get responses just like, no, that's all wrong. I'm like, no. <laughs> So. <laughs> hey, but Russ, how about where, where can people find you, man? Oh, rule11.tech, routing geek on Twitter and the Network Collective and the ECI blog and maybe in the Juniper blog. Who knows? I don't if know. It, if it's talking around. about technology, you probably will find Russ there somewhere. <laughs> I believe no, you mean Russ the marketer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just <laughs> marketing conferences. I mean, where else, where else are we going to find Russ? <laughs> Russ is turning over a new leaf. Yeah, that's good. He's cool. ephemeral and omnipresent. And oh, omnipresent. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I thought you said effeminate at first. <laughs> I'm going to go there. Right. Yvonne, how about you? Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Sharp Network um, and always on uh, Network Collective. Awesome. I'm at BC Jordo on Twitter, uh, jordanmartin.net, also Network Collective. Uh, if you like this episode, 
Uh, there are many like it. Uh, you can find us all at thenetworkcollective.com. Uh, you can also find us if you like, uh, like subscribing to your iTunes feed, we're there, or Google Play, or all the other regular podcast places. Um, if you haven't checked it out yet, you should definitely take a look at um, our, our our Network Collective community membership. There's lots of great content there um, that's exclusive to our members. We have a Slack that's uh, probably one of the coolest places of all networking. And I don't say that because we created it. It has nothing to do with us. The people that are in there are awesome. The conversations that are going on every day are pretty pretty spectacular. So it's a, it's a really neat place to, to be. And uh, so if you, haven't, uh, if you haven't checked that out yet, you should. That's uh, thenetworkcollective.com slash join. Appreciate uh, everyone taking the time to listen today and we will see you next time.